If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to welcome the visitors here today. Hope you are enjoying what we call the revival experience. Because every time we gather, it should be an experience in His presence. Amen? We should experience His presence. If we're not being transformed, like what Marianne said, then what are we doing here, right? We put on some fat pants and go watch some Gilligan Island uh, reruns, right? First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, we're going to start this thing off here. And it says these words, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks, around, walks uh, about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Last night I, I preached a, a powerful message, what you magnify will multiply. So that was talking about the thought life. Guess what I'm talking about today? That's right. We're going to continue talking about the thought life. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 here. Hallelujah. It says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that, that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Today, I want to talk about the road that leads to destruction. The road that leads to destruction. And I'm going down the lo- along the line of the thought life of, again. And, uh, you know, you, you look at different scandals and things that happen. Mega church pastors who fell into affairs, right? That's hurt the body of Christ. Um, a few years back, there was even a, a mega church pastor. He was on TBN all the time. I mean, he was... He was top. I mean, he was the who's who of who's in the body of Christ. And he fell into homosexual sin. Okay? How does this stuff happen? How does this stuff happen? This is kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, But, you know, before anybody starts judging a person, listen, Jesus said, remember, like I said, you've got to pull the speck out of your own eye. Don't think that, that these falls can't happen to you. Amen? So this is why... This message is going to be so important because I'm talking about markers in the road, okay, that of warning signs to look for, all right? So what is the road to destructions? What are the steps that will lead a person to destruction? What are the markers in the road? What are the warning signs? You need to know that Satan has tactics and strategies to pull you and I into sin. Did you know that? He just doesn't throw anything at you. He just, he just doesn't, you know, blindfold himself and throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it's going to stick. Are you following me? All right. He's very, the, Satan and evil spirits are very strategic when it comes to this. Um, Satan and demonic spirits, they know your weaknesses. They know your weaknesses better than you even know your weaknesses. All right. They have a game plan to come against you personally. So, 
Today, I want to share with you the steps, the markers in the road that lead to destruction in the life of a Christian. It's kind of like, this is what I'm doing today in this message, all right? It's like when you take a video, you pull out your phone and you take a video of something. You watch the video and it's a full progression, right? But what I want to do is take each frame, each frame, and how does this happen? How does someone go from up here to a huge fall in their life? That's what I want to talk about, okay? Here we go. You ready? The first marker on the road to destruction is temptation. That's the very first marker. The first thing you need to know about temptation is this. Temptation does not come from God. Come on. Now, some of you are saying, well, duh, James, of course. Well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at people who say, why is God doing this to me? Well, he's not. Amen. Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you will keep these markers in the road in your thought life, if you will be sober and vigilant to keep these thoughts, you will be able to say, okay, all right, here, here's a marker in the road that Pastor James talked about. I need to kind of be aware of what's going on here. Are you following me? All right, James chapter 1, 12 through 13. It said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let Here it is. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So again, like I said, quite often I hear Christians say, why is God doing this to me? You know, and and they kind of... Christians are horrible with using God as the scapegoat on all these things. You know what I'm saying? Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the responsibility that's on them and push it to God. All right? But you read through the Word of God and, and you can't help but see that mo- mo- most of the responsibility is on us. Amen? God isn't doing the temptation. The enemy is. Now, let me give you a just Christianity 101 here. God and Satan are not partners. You following me? They are enemies. They don't like each other. All right? God is not a promoter of sin. And just that truth alone pulls down that unscriptural belief. But just because something takes place in your life, just because something takes place in my life or on this earth, it does not mean it's the will of God. Again, some people say, well, if it's going to happen, it's just going to happen. No, you have a choice. Amen. You have a choice to make. God gives us a beautiful thing. It's called free will. Now, some people abuse it. They use it in the wrong way, and they pay the price for it, right? But we need, to need, we need wisdom, like what I talked about a few messages ago. We need wisdom. The second thing you need to know about temptation is this. You ready for this? Temptation is not sin. Many people, because all these temptations come their way, they think they're feeling condemned because they're being tempted. Temptation is not sin. All right? Jesus, do you believe that Jesus was without sin, right? He was a spotless Lamb of God. He was without sin. Did you know that Satan tempted Jesus? Jesus was tempted. 
It wouldn't be a temptation if there wasn't a temptation. Are you, are you following me? And this is Jesus, okay? So if the devil's going to try to tempt Jesus, I don't know. You think he's going to try and come and try to tempt us and pull us away? The temptation is not the sin, all right? So the temptation is the thought of evil or what we also call a fiery dart. Say fiery dart. That Satan and evil spirits try to plant in our mind, in our thought life, all right? Now, for some, the thought is sexual. For others, it's a temptation to gossip. For some, it's a te- Whatever it is, bitterness, unforgiveness, go ahead, you name it. It's temptation to sin. The temptation is always going to be to sin. If, if, if you feel led to do something that's not sin, that's not a temptation. That's the Holy Ghost trying to lead you. Amen? The enemy is, is not just blindly throwing these things into your mind. Like I said... The enemy is very strategic. Say strategic. For example, that pastor that fell fell into sexual immorality with homosexuality, that is where Satan tempted him. Satan's seen a weakness there. Oh, are you ready? ready to do some deep sea diving here? That temptation of homosexuality won't work on everyone. Amen? But Satan knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. The enemy does not waste time. He does not waste an opportunity. So the question is, where did that weakness come from? And I'm just kind of picking on the homosexual thing because, I mean, this guy, he was a... I'm telling you, you turn on TBN. You turn on Daystar. This guy was on it. I mean, are you kidding me, right? How does this happen? You need to know this. Generational curses are real. A generational curse is a weakness that runs through the family line. I'm telling you right now, it's, some, it, it, it's a weakness in a family line, and generational curses trip up many Christians. Now, a homosexual, we've ministered to a lot of homosexuals in deliverance ministry and stuff, and I can guarantee you, one of the first things I ask people, I say, have you ever had a family member who struggled with this? And I'll tell you, 99.9% of the time, they say, yes. Yes. I guarantee you, people who, have, who are into homosexuality, there is a generational curse, there is a weakness that runs through the family line addictions of any kind, these things, I'm telling you, if you see any weakness, generational curses can be a, a sickness, a disease, an infirmity. Uh, it's a, it's a, you see it. It just Sometimes it goes, it skips a generation, hops over to the next one, or it skips a couple, but it's still there. It's still there. Say it's a weakness. Until the generational curses are acknowledged and broken. But didn't Jesus take uh, you know, our curse upon himself on the tree? Absolutely he did. But he also died for the sins of the whole world, and the whole world's not saved. Because you've got to tap into that benefit. And the same thing is with the generational curse. The devil is a thief. He's a robber. He does not play fair. That's why he takes advantages of the weaknesses in family lines. Are you following me? So a generational curse needs to be acknowledged and broken, verbally renounced and broken in the name of Jesus. And then I guarantee you, if there's a generational curse, there's demon spirits in there because of that generational curse that need to be cast out of an individual. Well, it's getting kind of quiet up in here. 
Amen. Amen. Revelation knowledge popping. Hallelujah. So, as you can see, there are many factors that the enemy considers when putting a temptation in front of you, all right? The second marker on the road to destruction is this, being drawn away by that temptation. Look at James chapter 1, verse 14. So, number one, the first marker, there's temptation. Beep, 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 warning, warning. Enemies trying to tempt you. The second marker, don't cross this line, is being drawn away by the temptation. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, when you get drawn away by a temptation, all right, it's no longer in a, an attack from the outside because now you've taken that fiery dart instead of quenching it with the Word of God, instead of quenching it with your thought life, now you made it your own thought. You took hold of it now. Oh, man. This is, this is dangerous now. Now, now, now we're kind of getting, we're really getting in the warning zone now, Right? So you have not cast down the thoughts. You embrace them as their own. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Very popular passage. See, now, as I'm breaking this down, I'm taking this video of this thing. And I'm taking each frame. As you break this down, can you see how strategic the enemy is? Can you see now, you'll see how many barriers need to be crossed from going to the point of being tempted to actually doing something. I mean, it's, it's a wild thing, all right? So, and it, and it happens like this. It happens fast, doesn't it? It happens fast, but it is a process, all right? Look at this, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every, underline it, every thought into the captivity, uh, into, the ca- into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are, that, that literally means bringing into captivity. We are literally to arrest. That means to arrest that thought. What happens when a person gets arrested? Well, they're usually handcuffed or whatever, and they're put in a place that it's not able to move around. It's not able to, we're supposed to take that thought and we're supposed to arrest it. Come on. You know you have authority through Christ, just like a cop has authority in this city, this county. Amen. You following me? We have the authority in Christ to arrest these thoughts, to prevent it from moving further into your thought life. Now, this is the point. It becomes sin. The temptation's not the sin. Remember that. Get, you're going to be tempted until the day you go home to be with the Lord. Are you following me? All right? You're going to be tempted with, with the flesh and, and, and all that until the day you go home to be with Jesus. But... This is the point here. When you're being drawn away now, this is where it starts to cross the boundary of sin. Because now you meditated on that thought. Remember talking about last night, we talked about meditation. You know, you, this is where you take it and man, you are thinking about it. You are, I mean, woo, you're, you're, you're soaring. You're off to the races now, basically. Amen. 
Jesus said this, that it's possible to commit adultery without doing the physical act. All right? He said that you can commit adultery in your heart. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus is trying to tell us something. He's trying to say the thought life is so powerful that just the very thought can cause you to sin and commit adultery. Oh, yeah, but Pastor James, I mean, we can look at the menu but not order something, right? We can look but not touch, right? According to Jesus, nope. Come on, somebody. Pastor's just getting real up here today. Come on. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish that, uh, for your whole, than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I think that's a pretty good uh, argument. Amen. <laughs> and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Of course, Jesus is not promoting cutting off your limb. He's saying this, straighten up. Cut this thing off. Stop meditating on this sin. Amen. He's saying whatever causes you to sin, whatever you're making provision for to cause you to sin, get it out of your life. I mentioned this before. I say it again. If you're on a job that's causing you to sin, guess what? God expects you to quit that job. Oh, wow. It's really getting quiet in here now. If something causes you to trip yourself up in your walk with the Lord, hey, get rid of it. Amen? Now, obviously, a man or a woman can commit adultery in their heart, right? We know this. But here's what the Holy Ghost showed me. that it's, I find it interesting that Jesus specifically calls out a man for looking at a woman lustfully. Can, can Pastor get a little real here right now? Is that okay? Can I meddle a little bit? I believe it's because the difference of how men and women are wired. Come on, somebody. Women are more emotional, right? Let's face it. Women are more, if they're falling into uh, sin in, you know, the, they're, they're drawn more into the emotional part, right? The men, they want eye candy. Right? Let's be real. I mean, they're, they're visual. Men are visual. Women are emotional. And I just found it very interesting I found it very interesting that Jesus deals with the men on this issue. Uh, Amen. By the way, pornography causes uh, a married person to commit adultery in their heart. Come on. And it causes fornication in a person's life. In fact, pornography is very dangerous. It's downright lethal. Pornography is from the enemy. Come on. I, I mean... It's so basic. I, should I even say it? Yeah, I probably should because some people, you know, you just kind of, you're oblivious to it. You're just doing it. You're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm all right. No, you're not. Here's the deal. It becomes like a drug to the brain. Did you know that? Pornography is like a drug to your brain. And if you're involved in it, listen, you need to seek spiritual help immediately to get free from it. 
And, and listen, if you're make an appointment with me. Listen, I'm not I'm not gonna you know throw stones at you. We want to get you help. Are you following me? Let's deal with these real issues. You know. And, and, I mean, I'm seeing statistics coming out. You know, most people think it's, it's just men in pornography. No, there's statistics where women are in bondage to it as well. Right? So, see, <laughs> these are the kind of things we need to talk about from the pulpit. Right? And in the, in, they're a little uncomfortable at times. Right? But this is why we've got to dig into these things. If we let them go, that's why the body of Christ is in a mess. Right? They're in a mess. All right? So... When you are drawn away by your own free will, your imagination has now taken hold of it and it's running wild with it, right? See, the devil didn't make you do it. He put the thought in your thought life, but the devil didn't make you take that extra step and meditate on it. You did that. You gave in to his desire by your own free will, right? Verse 14 said that each one is tempted when they are drawn away by their own desires, their own lust, and is enticed. The word desires in verse 14, listen to this. Ready for this? The word desires indicates that you are taking pleasure in the evil thoughts or temptations. You take pleasure in it. Why? Because the enemy knows your weaknesses. Do you know something? You got, there's demons everywhere we go. You understand that. Just like there's angels. There's a spirit realm all around us, right? There are demons everywhere you go watching every move that you make. Every, they're, they're listening to every word you're speaking. And that's why they can be, they can be so strategic on, on what they're trying to bring you into bondage with. Amen? So it's talk, that is talking about a Christian whose mind is not renewed with the Word of God. Everything here is dealing with the Christian. Because the, the, the unbeliever, they're a, like I said all the time, they're a child of the devil. They have no desire. They, they don't have the ability to do the righteous. You, we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us that we can overcome these things. Amen? All right? So, um, so it's talking about Christians that do not have a renewed mind. If you don't have a renewed mind, you're automatically falling into the flesh. The fleshly desires, verse 14, all right? All right, so if your mind is renewed with the Word of God, according to Romans chapter 12, your desires would be holy, righteous, and good, amen? And you're choosing the will of God, as it talks about. So obviously before the temptation, there were wrong desires in your heart that were in seed form that got, here it is. Let me break this down. Listen, obviously before the temptation came, there were wrong desires in your heart that were in seed form that got activated by the temptation. Let me, oh man, that's powerful. Wrong desires in your heart are in seed form. And they got activated by the temptation from the enemy. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If his word is not in your heart, the only thing you have to fall back on is the flesh. Your desires will always be fleshly, and that's in seed form. Come on. Oh, my. That's why people who 
you know, they say, you know, you see people who get lots of money or who won the lottery and, you know, they were Christian at first and they got a lot of money or something. And then they totally went off the deep end and they see, see what that money did to them? Well, no, they had the seed in their heart and that money, that temptation activated what was already in their heart. One sure way to know that you're a prime candidate to be drawn away by temptation is a Christian that never listens to or never reads the Word of God outside of a Sunday or maybe even a Wednesday service. I'm telling you, you're putting yourself on dangerous ground. Or, or a Christian that doesn't want him to have anything to do with church. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You getting anything out of this? Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25 here. I, I found that it, it just see it's in seed form. Seed form. Man, what kind of seeds are we planting on the inside of our heart? Amen? Uh, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Say wavering. For he who promised is faithful. See, we don't have to waver in our faith because God is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here it is. Ready? Verse 25. This is a biggie. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, don't forsake our assembling of ourselves together. Having godly Christian fellowship on a regular basis is extremely healthy for your Christian walk. So if it's healthy for us, if God commands us to do it, we know not doing it is putting us on dangerous ground. Now, that's not a tactic to try to get you to come to Living Waters Chapel all the time. No, just go to church somewhere. Go to a good Bible-believing church. Amen? It'd be great if you come here, but, you know, I think we're a good Bible-believing church, don't you? But, listen, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Be, being, look at this, this was interesting. Being able to fulfill verses 23 and 24 is dependent on doing verse 25. Do you see that? Being able to do verse 23 and 24 is dependent on not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. See, there is a reason why on Sundays and Wednesdays that there, every excuse in the book comes up not to attend church. Are you following me? Satan and evil spirits, they know what the Bible says. They know what it says better than any of us know. All right? And they know the importance of having godly fellowship. We need to have godly fellowship. Say godly fellowship. I'm telling you right now, a lone ranger will eventually get picked off by the enemy. A lone ranger will eventually get picked off by the enemy. Uh, there is strength in unity. Amen? There is a reason why you have resistance from them when you try to do what's right according to the Word of God. Just like what natural food is to our physical body, the Bible is spiritual food to our spirit man and to our soul. And, and, and now listen, Proverbs 4 says that the Word of God is even medicine or health to even your flesh. The, the fact is, the Word of God 
affects body, soul, and spirit. Every part of your life. Amen? And if your spirit man, if your soul is weak and malnourished, you are an easy target by the enemy to be drawn away by his tempting. In Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His word is food to us. Amen? See, many Christians take better care of their physical body than they do their spiritual life. That's going to live forever, by the way. Amen? I mean, it's good to take care of your physical body. We need to do that, obviously. But don't neglect the spiritual side. Here we go. The third marker on the road to destruction is being enticed. Say enticed. The word enticed is inferring the weakening of your will. The weakening. Any walls that you had up, they're coming down. They're coming down even fast. So you were drawn away and enticed. All right? Any roadblocks that you had up, they're gone. You have a seared conscience. Remember we talked about a con- the, our conscience, the importance of our conscience. That puts the walls up and says, buddy, you better not go there. You're playing with fire. Any roadblocks now in the entice stage of this temptation, this sin, man, your conscience is seared. This is the point that people that have an addiction or any other problem, they will do, are you ready for this? They will do irrational things to accommodate the sin. Say accommodate. This is also called the entice stage. This is called the planning stage. Say planning. Now, let's play this out in a real-life situation, all right? Let's just do a, a real, real easy, you know, example. The devil, all right, the devil puts a thought in your mind about having an affair with a coworker. Is there anybody breathing in here today? This happens all the time in the secular workplace. This, hap- this happens in the church. You, you know how many times... That I've heard about a pastor that ran off with the church secretary? Yeah, we can't just throw this at the secular world. This happens in the body of Christ. So, the devil plants a thought in your mind about having an affair with a co-worker, right? That's the temptation. That's the time that you need to cast this thought down, right? But you don't cast it down. And then you take hold of that thought and you make it your own and you just don't make it your own. Are you ready for this? You take pleasure in these thoughts now. Now it's starting to stir up the wrong emotions. Say emotions. At that point, according to the Word of God, man, you're, you're on the highway to sin now. Alright? Not only are you thinking about the act itself, but now... Here it is, you're making plans and accommodations to get to that sexual or physical act. Now you're enticed. This is why they call it the planning stage. You've gone so deep into this temp- this thought that first started out as a fiery dart. Now you're in the, pl- how can I get close to this person? Well, how, what can I, here it is, what can I say to this person to groom this person. Come on now. The Democrats are real good at grooming individuals, by the way. They're grooming our children with all this trash in schools. We got to get into the schools. Amen? Amen? So 
Now you're making accommodations for it. You begin talking to this person. You begin messaging the person more. You're getting, now, now this is where you're starting to get into conversations that really you should only be talking about with your spouse. Boundaries have been crossed. Man, pastor's getting real today. Boundaries have been crossed. Boundaries? <laughs> what boundaries? Right? And the body language is getting out of hand now. And so being enticed is the planning stage. Many barriers were pushed down. They were crossed. Now you see these things just don't happen by accident. Now it might happen in split seconds, but there is a thought process that takes place. Are you following me? So can you see how much it takes to, to get to the physical act itself when you break this thing down. This goes, it, it just goes beyond enough. any action of sin. Any action of sin, this whole process plays out. The fourth marker on the road to uh, destruction is that lust or desire is conceived, the word talks about. The Greek word that is translated conceived means to take hold of. You have taken hold of it, man. Now the fifth marker here on the road to destruction is the actual sin. That which you have have started thinking about, that which you have been planning, now it happens. What you have been meditating on and planning has come to pass, and your actions are always a product of your thought life. Go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. See, pastor's preaching this today because I'm trying to prevent this from happening in your life. Now, amen. So, now, if for some reason you fall into this thing in the past and, you know, hey, you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven, move on with life. Amen? But I'm trying to stop the people that are, there might be someone in here, you're in that stage right now. You're, you're, there's some of these markers that are taking place right now. Well, guess what? This is a word to you. Amen? Joshua 1 verse 8. Look at this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, underline it, meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Meditation, like I said last night, is a spiritual law. This is talking about the positive way to use meditation, meditating on the Word of God. And it says you meditate on the Word, and it comes out of your mouth, you're going to act, you're going to be a doer of the Word. Now, the opposite is true, though, okay? So we know here that you can meditate on the wrong things, and it will eventually lead to the act itself. And the sixth, the final marker on the road to destruction, the Bible says, is death. All right. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Is it talking about physical death? Not necessarily. Can it? Sure. Absolutely. But it can lead to a death of a marriage. It can lead to deaths of a relationship. It can move to, uh, to a death of your relationship with God. Come on, somebody. It's just, it invites death, okay, into your life. All right. So uh, go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And it says these words. It says, Do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever a man or a person sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap, uh, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So the first thing that's talking about is your thought life. What are you sowing in your thought life? Because what you take hold of in your soul, in your thought life, that gets planted in your heart. Amen? So according to the Word of God, sin always leads to death. Sin will always lead to some form of corruption in your life. All right, And this is Satan's ultimate goal, to corrupt you, to corrupt you, and to make you ineffective for God. And ultimately, the, the enemy would love for you to go bye-bye from this earth. Listen to me, if you're a Christian, because you know what? Just the fact that you're a Christian, you are a threat to Satan. You know that, don't you? John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy And like I said last night, the steal, kill, and destroy starts on the inside and works its way out. It always starts on the inside, inside of you and works its way out. So the, you know, the reason God sets boundaries in the word of God is because he wants to protect us. Do you understand that? His commandments, like I said last night, anything in the word of God where you see a commandment, Number one, that's God saying this. There's going to be a weakness for you to fall into that temptation. Be aware. That's why God's telling us. When he commands us something, he's saying, listen, this is going to be a weakness. Don't go there. All right? Secondly, he is trying to protect us. And he loves you. That's why he talks about sin in his word. Because he can, I don't know if you know this or not, but God cannot and he will not bless sin. Sin is totally against the nature of God. It's totally against the nature of God. Amen? He is a just God. He will love you. Come on, somebody. He will love you all the way to hell. There's people who are in hell right now that God loved. But guess what? They made the decision. Listen. God loves every person that's in hell right now. Do you understand this? You know, someone says, God sent them to hell. No, God honored their choice of rejecting Jesus. Think about that. Man, that's a powerful thought. So the only way that the road uh, to destruction can be avoided is by filling yourself with the Word of God. Be sober, be vigilant, because the enemy's trying to roam around like a roaring lion trying to destroy you. Get into the presence of God. Get into prayer. Get to know Him. Get to know His voice. Amen? Don't let the enemy do it any longer. We need to be aware of every one of those markers, those warning signs, and let's get back on track spiritually. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to show us, to reveal to us spiritual laws that will keep us in the kingdom of God. Think about that. He loves us enough to reveal in his word spiritual laws that we can put into action to walk in his blessing. Now, maybe there's someone in this place, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. 
Today's the day of salvation. What does that mean? You don't know what you're, what's going to happen to you tomorrow. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, come to this altar. I want to pray with you. You need to be born again. Let's get on God's side. Amen? He'll honor your choice. He'll honor your choice to go to hell. He will honor your choice. But listen, eternity is a long time and nobody is going to pray you out of purgatory. Why? Because there's no purgatory. It says after death, it's appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. So you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. If you want to rededicate your life today, you know you're backslidden. You don't know if you died right now. If you would go to heaven, you need to come up and let's rededicate. You want the Holy Ghost baptism? Come on up. We're going to pray with you to receive. You need prayer for yourself, healing, for a family member, anything. We are here for you. But, man, did you have fun today? What a great day. Wow, this has been a real busy weekend at Living Waters. Amen. But what a fruitful weekend. Amen. Tuesday night uh, prayer call. Wednesday night prayer here at 7. Let's keep this train moving in the name of Jesus. Have a great week. Um, By the way, my family and I, we're going to be gone until Tuesday afternoon. We're taking them up to Boyne to the resort. So I'll still have my phone. You know how to, where to find me. Amen. So, all right, everyone, have a great rest of your week or week. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you guys. Yeah.